You're listening to the 123 show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, you know it. I'd like to welcome back on the program the one and the only Andrew Dambina joining us for this week's Tuesday segment. Andrew, it's good to speak to you. How are you doing? Hello, Anders. I'm I'm well. Excellent. That's good. Uh, Did you hear the news bulletin earlier that uh, a new study found that um, signed, uh, it's found that dogs cry happy tears. Just wondering if you, I know you're a dog lover, so I just wanted to I see. Am. I am. I'm now in possession of uh, three as of more of a year ago when, uh, when people asked if I could look after two dogs for three months. You've guessed the rest of the story. We've, we've ended up lumbered for them being a household with two extra dogs. Oh, so, um, that's so um, sweet. I, uh, I don't do, do they cry? Do they cry when you, when they see you? <laughs> no, they 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 are very expressive with tail wagging. All of them, all three. <laughs> the original Dembina dog plus the two that we've been forced to now house. Um, so so it's um, so are yeah. they part of the family now? I, I, yeah, I that's the thing. Okay. I mean, they're they're they're, they're very large dogs, and uh, and it's impractical, and we have to separate them from our dog otherwise there'll be a bloodbath so it's really but we've decided to uh go with it oh that's that's a bit bit too much detail off topic probably (laughs) we we always want to know what our contributors are up to always nice to know that (laughs) you're doing such a wonderful thing right so let's turn back to food uh not hot dog i hope but uh, what are we talking about this afternoon Okay, well, as I'm no longer um, doing an arts report for the 123 show, here's an interesting spotlight on a Hong Kong bar more known for hosting music than it is for its drinks and food menu. But, uh, but we'll, we'll come to the menu changes in this establishment soon. And I'm talking about the institution that is the Wanch. Um, it is an institution, so I think we're okay to mention it. RCHK never promotes any... Uh, you know, outlets, but just saying it is somewhere that's been around a while. It'd be like mentioning the Peninsula Hotel or something like that. But it's not, although it's it's, it's in a different uh, type of genre, but it's been around for decades. And it's really known to be a place where Hong Kong's indie bands play. Not the only venue, there are loads around Hong Kong. But it's more known to be that venue for, um, you know, for a local um indie band let's say you know guitar based a bit rock and roll type of vibe did, did you ever go to the original once which closed uh, in 2020 noreen yeah i have been before they did really really great live music yeah, just amazing they, they just yeah. those guys are just i mean the band they just they sing it better than i don't know they, they do it better than the original uh, rolling stones for example <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, some of the cover bands that are in there, too. I've got to say, at a mixture of cover bands and some very um, inventive, you know, unique bands that, that that tries to come through the ranks by going to that establishment to then see if they could get better deals, um, you know. Exactly. But, yeah, but it did have to close down, um, as uh, a lot of places have done during uh, during COVID, not not really able to ride the uh, the waves of uh, of closure, especially as uh, live music was uh, and still is not allowed to be played in um, in venues that like this that previously had them before. But it did close two years ago, and it reopened again in May. 
So a few months ago, it reopened after two years of not being around, a couple of doors away from where, where you know, from the original location, which is kind of cool that the owners stuck with it and decided to get something as close to the venue as possible. They felt um, a bit earlier this year after the fifth wave that we had that, that things were going to get better. And, you know, there's talk of more restrictions being relaxed and they're hoping that that's going to be the case. But in the meantime, they've been pretty inventive. So the two years while they were closed, they had a lot of online link-ups with local bands playing in their uh, studios, having a jam, or they would also link up with live musicians abroad. That's via various uh, social media platforms. So it's amazing that the uh, those behind it did kind of stick with, you know, they, they basically live and breathe music. But what they've done now in the new venue is to um, spend several months before they opened in May actually concocting a menu. And I, and I sent you rather late today because I've been a bit busy with the old uh, magazine job, which is what I do as, um, you know, normally <laughs> during the week. Um, and I sent Noreen a picture which she will not have had time to post on to her Facebook page, let alone look at. But uh, just before we started speaking today and it's a it's a table um with a drum kit that's not being used because no live music is allowed there at the moment but it's uh, it's showing what is what can uh, be called pub fare it's um there's a there's a pie there are different pies served there are pizzas made in-house um there are salads and there's a scotch egg which is a very type of uh, very british, british. Pub food. Yes. yeah Except for the Italiana pizza, Nor Noreen, <laughs> the, the, the pepperoni at the end of the table. Um, so, it, it, uh, what's it, the other one? Is it? It's, it looks like ham, yeah, or, or like a, eeled, it, jellied eel. I don't know. What is it? No, it's a, <laughs> it is. A, it's a ham salad. So oh, okay. Salad. So, so this is not this is not fancy fare. People don't go to the once for a fine dining experience. But uh, the the point is that according to the owners previously when it was in its uh, original venue there was little more than uh really things that were out of packets nuts crisps it really they, they actually served nothing i think they tried once or twice with a little toaster oven um the, the type of thing that students have on a countertop or people you know or, or a lot of people who can't you know sort of find or afford other ways of, of cooking um, to um, to do sausage rolls and things like that that were easy finger food for people to eat. But, they've, but they have actually spent seven months prior to opening in May this year of redoing both their dining menu and also their wine list because previously it would only be beer and spirits for a rock and roll kind of place like that. But they actually have been going through the motions of tasting and finding what would work at a price point for them, thinking about the customers that come in to watch bands and might just have a couple of drinks, and getting interesting wines from across the world. And it's just very interesting, I think, to hear that they've gone into this in, in great detail. They're also going to be representing or serving um, microbreweries, of which there are many more in Hong Kong over the last 10 or so years. So without naming them, you know, there, there are a few that we might all see around town and they've got some of those on tap as well. So this is by no means a promo for them, but it is nice to see as we hear non-stop of restaurants and bars closing down mm. that people have taken the plunge. They, the original, uh, um, two of the original guys behind it, no doubt with investors because 
it's uh it's actually a bigger venue too when it when uh, when live music does eventually get allowed in restaurants and bars the stages are much bigger than previously and they've got surround windows i didn't send you this picture as well but they've got uh, they're on a corner so they've got a lot of daytime light coming in and they want to make the most of it previously they had a smaller premises and people were there to see music and buy drinks and have so that's why they just had crisps and nuts now they want to get people in during the daytime and already since they opened in may they are doing the sort of thing that, that some other restaurants and bars are doing too being inventive what can we do because hong kong doesn't have certain things like live music let's beam some in so they actually had they got the rights to show some concerts um and uh, extracts uh, from festivals that were going on this was all done with the correct licensing to um, you know because in lots of other places it's been uh, a summer of music festivals so they would have some festival screens which um which people who have a love of music could come in they've got memorabilia around from the old once venue um which were you know artwork that was on the walls and guitars that were hanging there from some of the bands that had come through because sometimes in the past there had been also some um rock pop bands that had played in the tiny once that was the old venue now this is slightly bigger they might even be able to get um some visiting bands again when things open up of course um to play in their venue that might not have considered it because it might have been too small previously mm. so that's all good stuff um now we just need things to open up and then it can function as intended so, fingers uh, crossed good, we're on yeah. the road to that yeah fingers crossed indeed um and talking about um establishments that have not been able to stay alive through long periods of closure in the past two and a half years uh plus they probably had to deal with not proper operations even a year before those two and a half years of covid restrictions because of uh, social uh, unrest affected business because that also affected restaurants uh, let's not forget and bars before the whole of the two and a half years of covid stuff so it really has been a long long haul when you think about it for some places and i'm talking about one that has been mentioned in the news a couple of weeks ago, two to three weeks ago, Lin Hearn Tea House, um, which was which I hadn't mentioned in um, in the Tuesday report before. Um, it had two different outlets: one in Central that people may um, have seen, the other one was in Chun One, which was more of a neighbourhood one. But some people would go up there as a destination restaurant as well, and it was known for being um, a dim sum. A uh, restaurant that did still serve from trolleys, and uh, when I went there years ago, it, not only trolleys but also from trays that were around a strap that were at the front of a server, because some of the tables were very close together in the one in Central, and so sometimes um, a, a trolley couldn't be manoeuvred through some of the tight gaps between those tables. Um, I remember once when there was a new PR person for the Four Seasons. She's long gone now, but she was in charge of the English language media in Hong Kong. And she'd just come over from being based in a... Uh, so she was working in a five-star hotel as PR in Hong Kong. She'd been in a very top hotel in Shanghai, which I, where I'd met her when I was on a media visit with other journalists a couple of years before. She came here and said, where would you recommend for a real taste of Hong Kong dim sum? And I said, Lin Hearn. And we mm -hmm. went there. Um, we, went, we went there together and she was so shocked, not in a bad way, but so kind of um, she had only seen the blingy side of Hong Kong. And this couldn't have been more earthy because the waiters, waiting staff were 
always in a hurry. They were not known for, you know, for sort of polite um, delivery. They weren't rude, but they just got on with what they needed to do. Yeah. And, uh, and also, we had to share a table with strangers, as is the way in a lot of uh, dim sum places. Well, was the way before perhaps COVID restrictions um, to, um, you know, to make the most of every square centimetre of, uh, of space when it's a busy lunchtime. And, the, and I really, I really did like the, um, the vibe, the, the, that, the local yeah, the vibe. vibe, very mm. old school. And um, and I know a lot has been said about it already, so I won't sort of uh, repeat what has been said about the fact that there are no, no, too many. No, no, please do. I, I've never places. been. I've never been to Linhan before. Oh, okay. Well, yes. yeah. I mean, sadly, it's now you know yeah. um, gone after after decades of uh, being around and previously being um, something called the Guangdong uh, Bakery. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been around for many decades, and the it, it was threatened with closure. Uh, a few decades ago, but the staff, the long-term staff who were there, pulled together also with some external investors and took it over themselves and ran it from the, uh, from the, you know, from a knowledge of, uh, of how it worked being staff, paid staff for a long time. So that was, that was really great years ago, but they just couldn't manage this time. And, uh, yeah, so it went astray. But there was, a, there was a little report that I came across in South China. There was a little comment uh, piece uh, last week in the SCMP where it said that the closure of Lin Heung may also um, serve as a cautionary tale for food and drink businesses um, whose fate is still hanging in the balance right now because of, um, um, you know, just about surviving and uh, trying to still find a way through people's reluctance to um, to to always have to do the leave home safe app and more reliance sometimes on taking home deliveries and also because with figures which have surprised me by being as high as they are for the last um, few weeks that puts some people off who may have not had a you know a, a vaccination that recently it puts people off so. It's, um, it, it, there are there are a lot of uh, restaurants that are still suffering, and this opinion um, that, that was that was published last week was just saying that maybe also going through this period of COVID stop start and hygiene requirements that it's going to force restaurants to work in a different way. That maybe people also are getting used to uh, wanting to have things in a very hygienic way. I know there's been this purge recently, although I haven't heard too many details about cleaning up Hong Kong. But certainly one thing that many of us may feel for some years is that, um, that it certainly applies to restaurants, not criticising, because they've been through, um, you know, uh, a very, very difficult time in the last few years. But, but, it's, but I think all of us who have been here for a few years prior to, to COVID also think that things... You know, you see people coming and going. If you're if you're if you're trying to get lunch somewhere, things aren't really cleaned properly, are they? And if you need to go to the washroom in a lot of restaurants, they're generally pretty unsanitary, or yeah. or because because they they uh, you know there's there's restaurants in the better times weren't really paying to have them cleaned properly or not dedicating staff to doing that. Um, I'm not I'm no rest restaurateur, so I can't say that. Uh, that it's you know that it's that it's an easy thing to do, but I think that 
if we do end up with cleaner restaurants, that's going to be one. I'm trying to find a few positives from the fact that so many have closed. But I suppose that hygiene will be one thing that should be expected, as this opinion piece says. And the, the other thing that the writer said was that restaurants should harness the power of technology um, in, in his words, in rendering service. So what does that mean? Are we talking about those robot server, servers again, Noreen, that we speak <laughs> of every now and then? Uh, by the way, speaking of that, I've got to tell you and listeners that... You've uh, got I'm one at home. This. Well, yeah, I've had enough of going to my kitchen. It's, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, I, I saw one for the first time. I went out for dim sum at the weekend, just gone. And, well, could I believe it? It was one of those with the cat's ears that I sent Noreen a picture of that she put on her Facebook, um, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3, Facebook page, that is. And um, it was of something that had cat's ears and the kind of digital screen face that looked like a cat. And there I was, having done some on Sunday, and one of these things went whizzing by with trays on it, which was uh, yeah. um, just in- interesting to see, yeah. Because I, we, we, I'd reported on them yes. being mostly outside of Hong Kong, but I had heard and said on the programme that... Uh, that there were one or two restaurants around. Well, I now know where one is in Central. So, uh, Brilliant. So that was, yeah. just, um, just going back a little bit, I know I said I've never been to a Lindholm before. We have something yeah. similar in Kennedy Town, those sort of old-style, um, so Saiwan um, area, you'll definitely find a few of these like, restaurants where you, you share it. Um, no, sorry, no trolleys. But right. um, but serving yeah, serving table, serving table. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, and and sharing tables yeah. and like old fashioned style um, dim sum, right. yeah. But sadly, no trolleys. I think nowadays yeah. the only other place I can really think of is City Hall. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, my my wife and son wanted to go there the other day because there were some uh, ex Hong Kongers who had come back to to visit. So I couldn't make it. Um, but they, uh, they they went there, and that is still very much operating City Hall. But it was renovated a few years ago, and they, and they don't have trolleys anymore. It's now it's now uh, mark down your order, you know, tick a box type, oh, of, type that, of thing, like, yeah, like everywhere that, else. That's more old school. Like, I think soon it'll be bring out the iPads, or I think these days it's not even bring out the iPads. It's scan mm. your own QR codes. That's right. That's, this, is, <laughs> this is what the writer was saying in SCMP that he's noticed that there's more QR code scanning going on and he thinks that that's going to be the way to go as well and that we should expect in the future the one thing that might come post-COVID restriction um, times is that we won't have too many servers around, that the mm-hmm. onus, much like, uh, like ATM banking, will be on the diner. So um, that's uh, tech-savvy uh, millennials are in favour of minimizing unnecessary communication he and says. interactions yeah pro- probably <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that's so sad yeah well it is because it would it would put pay to a lot of uh, service staff and um you know what, what, what would they do for work then and it's so, so nice to be able to chit chat to to people and say hey what do you recommend today what's good you know if you go to a new restaurant that you've never mm. been before it's sort of yeah. nice to say it to ask anyway anyway we've only got 30 seconds left anders yeah okay well um, the other thing was that those who do still have uh, um, servers, real people, is that uh, is that more friendliness and engagement with diners should be a thing because restaurants shouldn't take for granted that they can be around and that service is all part of the experience. 
that's the last thing I was going to say, really. Excellent. Well, thank yeah. you so much yeah. um, once again, Andrew, and I look forward to chatting with you again uh, next week. Thank you very much indeed. Sure. Chat to Thanks. you later.